Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you very, very much, brother. Oh, I just feel the aroma in this pulpit with another brother from Sullivan Upper here. I, there is some anointing around here tonight, I can tell you. And I know that those from Bangor Grammar are heavily into forgiveness, and I'm grateful for that. Anyway, it is a real joy to be with you on this final evening, and thank you so much for the plug for the book. I didn't realize he was going to do that. And let me tell you, when one of my friends, an ex, another ex-Sullivan, Andrew Foster, a very good friend who reminds me that he was born in the year I left Sullivan, which is not a very happy reminder. But when he discovered I was writing a book, he said to me, Fanta, how many colouring in pages will be in it? (laughs) Isn't that the right kind of friend to have? (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much. And you're absolutely right. Peter is one of my heroes, and I think he is the most phenomenal example of what God can do in somebody's life. The apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. That's what he was. Always putting his foot in it. He denied Jesus. He made promises he didn't keep. He tended to exaggerate. And look at the incredible change in that man's life. Who was it preached on the day of Pentecost? Spoke the word of God with boldness. Not long after he denied Jesus in front of a little girl. Peter, that's what Jesus can do. And if there are any of us here this week thinking, oh, God couldn't use me. Folks, that's a lie. And that comes from the father of lies. A phrase Jesus used to describe the devil. You see the poster up around the corner here in this church? One body, many parts. I think that's what it said. I was looking at it this week. Absolutely right. The Lord has a purpose for each one of us. And let's not miss out on it. Um, I really want to say a thank you to the Bangor Worldwide Mission Convention Committee. I know they've been thanked. But this convention is unique. And I want to thank the bunch of people on behalf of the speakers for the way you look after us, for your prayer, for your care, for your kindness... They are a wonderful example of what the teaching has been about this week in the Bible readings, Christ's body beautiful. They are beautiful people who are seeking to live like Jesus and an outcome of that is we have been so blessed and so many throughout the world will be blessed as an outcome of this convention. So thank you, Tom, and thank you to all the committee on behalf of those who have been speakers and people participating in the convention this week. Do you know something? I was really looking forward to going to Peru next week, which I am doing. But after tonight, I'm not so sure. Guinea pig. Oh, my goodness. The thought of it. I think I might feign sickness or something if guinea pig arrives on my plate or get a sudden emergency pastoral call or something like that. Anyway, pray for those overseas when they're faced with the dilemmas of what to eat and what not to eat. (laughs) 
One of the things that thrills me about this convention is that all ages come to it. Young, middle-aged, old. And if you're not sure whether you're old yet or not, can I give you a little test as to how you know if you're getting old? You know you're getting old when you and your teeth don't sleep together, okay? <laughs> There's a little indication. So I'll let you decide whether you're old or not. These are, well, most of them are my teeth, but they sleep with me inside there every night. SAMS. Since the 1st of January this year, I am the mission director of SAMS UK and Ireland. As I mentioned uh, earlier this week, some people think SAMS stands for single on arrival, married soon. And actually, listening to Ruth tonight, I think she must have gone out as a SAMS missionary. Because <laughs> she went single, and look at the wonderful husband she brought back. Um, but, uh, and, and it's true, do you know, in the next few days, my wife and I are going to be at a wedding of a, a wonderful, wonderful girl from Chile, a solicitor in Chile who came to serve as a volunteer here in Ireland working with students in Queens. She met a man from Ireland and she's getting married, single on arrival, married now to an Irishman. But actually it stands for South American Mission Society. And there, there's a copy of our latest summer uh, magazine, uh, Buena Vista, uh, on the table in the foyer, and it's free, and you're very welcome to take it uh, as you leave, and it will give you some information about Psalms. I want to grind what I say tonight in Scripture, and I want us to have a look at a passage of Scripture. Um, I have my... Uh, Biblica NIV here, and we're turning in my Bible, and I hope in yours too, to Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35, a well-known passage, but let's look at it together, and we're going to think of this passage, think about South America, and uh, I hope and pray that behind my human voice, we will hear God's divine voice. And just as we open our Bibles, let us pray. Father, we thank you that for this word, which is a word of truth and a word of life. And I pray, O oh God, that your word will be released into our hearts and lives this evening, and that we will not just be hearers of your word, but doers. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Matthew 9:35 Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd look at verse 35 what a beautiful cameo of the ministry of Jesus he went about all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. It is, to use a word that has become popular in recent years, a holistic ministry that Jesus had whilst here on earth. Teaching, preaching, healing. Mind, body, soul. Jesus Christ cares for the whole person. 
And you and I and the whole church of God are sent out with the gospel of God to the world of God to reach people for Jesus, to love them, to be angry when we see poverty, to fight for justice, to make disciples and be fishers of men and women, for this is the will of Jesus. He was concerned for people's souls and he was concerned for people's bodies. Why did he heal? Why did he care? Why did the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk? Because Jesus cares for the whole person. Preaching, teaching, healing, mind, soul, body. And Christian mission should always reflect that ministry of Jesus. For we are the body of Christ his body beautiful here on earth. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What did he see when he saw the crowds? He saw people that were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They were confused, purposeless, lost. As you and I look around and as we listen to people, do we not see a lot of confusion? Can we just move into it? And there's not just confusion out there. Sometimes there's confusion in the church. Look at that outside a church for a notice board. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. What does that mean to people passing by on the bus down the road? I've won even better than that, seen outside a church. Would you believe this? Come to our healing service. You won't get better. <laughs> now, if that isn't confusing, will you tell me what is? And there's confusion not just out there, but sometimes there's confusion in the church. We don't seem to know what the message is. We don't seem to be concerned about sharing it. We fight over things that are secondary issues and at the end of the day don't really matter. As a speaker said at one of our church house parties from our church in Coleraine when we were there, a man called Dave Cave, who was a theological consultant with Evangelical Alliance, he said the church is the only group of people on earth where you can be savaged by sheep. <laughs> and it's true. And you know that, and I know that. And there's confusion out there, and there can be confusion in the church. There was no confusion in the mind and heart of Jesus. He saw people and he loved them. He cared for them. He died for us on the cross. He died for the harassed. He died for the helpless. He died for the lost. What are some of the buzzwords in the 21st century that we hear all too often. Stress. Have you ever heard that word? Tension. Ever heard that word? We're the Prozac and Valium generation, aren't we? Anxiety. Worry. And on and on I could go. People with no sense of direction. No purpose in their lives. I remember hearing someone speak at the General Synod of the Church of Ireland some years ago and he said he remembers the time when answer phones were a new thing and he phoned somebody who'd got an answer phone. He'd never heard one before. This is the message he heard when the phone was answered. Who are you? What do you want? These are the big questions of life. Most people have a lifetime to answer them. You've got 30 seconds. 
so many people nowadays don't know who they are. They don't know why we're here. And we've got the good news of the gospel to share with them. The lost can be found. The blind can see. And when Jesus saw those people that were harassed and helpless and so confused, he had compassion on them. I remember years ago hearing about students in a university, some of whom were wearing a badge and it said on it, B-A-I-K. And somebody said, what does that badge mean, B-A-I-K? He said, it means, boy, am I confused. And the guy said, but I thought you spelt confused with a C. Oh, yes, shows how confused I am. And Jesus died for the confused. Those who are asking questions. Those who don't know why we're here or what we're here for. And since the mid-19th century, the South American Mission Society, SAMS, has been seeking in the name of Jesus to win people in that wonderful part of the world, South America, to Jesus Christ. And according to the statisticians, there's now about 400 million people in South America. We heard tonight 10 million in Lima. Millions and millions in some of the biggest cities in the world, like Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, Buenos Aires in Argentina, Santiago in Chile. Millions and millions of people and millions confused. Let me give you an illustration of confusion I came across in South America. I will never forget it. I'd been on a trip with the person who was then General Secretary of Sam's Ireland. We had one day left and we discovered, for some reason, I don't know what happened, but we were in Buenos Aires and we discovered we actually had all day in BA and we were flying back to the UK that night. We thought, what are we going to do all this day? For some reason, there'd been some blip. And we thought, hey, we haven't seen a guy who's working as a missionary in Rio. I wonder would the airline let us go to Rio and then go on from there back to the UK? Do you know, we experienced grace. They did. No extra charge. I don't think it would happen now, but it did then. Maybe they'd pity on these two Northern Ireland men. I don't know. We went off to Rio and we had an experience I will never forget. We went with this missionary in Rio to one of the flavelas one of the poorest parts of this city. Now remember, this is our last day of a long trip. And as we were approaching this flavella, and I have to tell you, I could see some people very confused by the way they were dressed, by the way they walked, by the way they looked at us. And as we were approaching the flavella, the the, the missionary said to us, so casually, By the way, from this point on, there are guns trained on us. And I tried to act like the peace-filled Christian, but secretly I was thinking, what? This is my last day here. I want to see my wife and children again. And I thought, Dennis, we are mad coming here. He said, just act normal. Stay close to me. He said, they know me here. And in this flavella, like in so many flavellas, it's not run by the politicians, it's run by the drug barons, armed gangs. And if you don't toe the line, that's it. We went into that flavella on a steep hillside, shacks built on top of one another, open sewage running down the narrow little paths we were going up. 
And in there we find a Christian work amongst children, feeding over a hundred kids every day, the only meal they got, teaching them the Bible and giving them a basic education. And a young girl in her late teens whose surname was Guinness, but she was full of the Spirit. And she was there as a volunteer, reaching out to those kids. And if you're here at the Bible reading yesterday, you'll know what I mean when I said she'd beautiful feet. And there she was in the middle of that drug-ridden, violence-ridden flavella every day, reaching out to those children in the name of Jesus. And then the missionary took us to a little cement patio, and there was a cross at one side of it. And he said, I want to tell you what happens here. He said, when somebody crosses a line with the drug barons who run this favela, they bring them here and they kill them, shoot them dead. And we said, but in front of a cross? He said, yeah, they shoot them in front of that cross because they think if they kill these people in front of that cross, God will show more mercy on them. Confusion, folks. Darkness. Sin. And missionaries with Latin link, other mission agencies represented here working in South America, SAMS, are seeking to reach out to people like that with the good news of Jesus. There's two people sitting down there tonight who went to South America as missionaries many years ago. Gordon and Burl were church planting in a wealthy area of Santiago, the capital Chile of Chile. And out of that church planting work that they started way back in the 1970s, there are now, there's now a whole cluster of congregations around Santiago. The church not only was planted but grew. Many were one to Christ. Many more have been one to Christ. And now through the seeds planted by those two missionaries, there are thousands who have come to faith in Jesus. And the work continues to grow. They saw the confusion of the crowds. And what stirred them and stirs others to go, it's the compassion of Jesus. Just watch with me for just about a minute or so. A little PowerPoint on a project we've started in northern Argentina amongst the witchy Indians, some of the poorest in Argentina. There's about 100 churches planted in that Chaco area of northern Argentina. But a three-year-old girl died of malnutrition not so long ago. Some of those folks are so poor. And there's a wonderful missionary we're linked with called Alejandro Dean or Alec Dean. And he has compassion in his heart for the confusion of the witchy Indians. And he started a garden project so that no more little kids will die of malnutrition but that people will learn to grow their own vegetables and it will make a difference. Just like Jesus fed the hungry. Just watch this for a few moments.
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. He fed the hungry. And these people not only hear the gospel and are not only being made disciples, they're growing food to eat. They're learning skills themselves, making a difference, seeing communities transformed. And we have the privilege of being in partnership with that kind of initiative. And what is it prompts us to do that? What is it prompts has prompted all the missionaries we've heard of from this week to go to all parts of the world? It's because, like Jesus, they've seen the crowds and they have compassion on them. And they want to do something about it. The famous Baptist preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, in preaching on this verse, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them points out that in the original language, that word translated into English, compassion, is a really, really strong word. It's not feeling sorry for somebody. It's not having pity on somebody. It's every faculty within us, he said, being so stirred that we are saturated with love for people. And we have to do something about it. From the very core depth of our being. And that's what Matthew, the writer of this gospel, is telling us. From the core of his being, Jesus has compassion on the crowds. Love for people. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We would not be here tonight if our God was not a God of compassion and grace, and love, and mercy. And look at what happens next. Then Jesus says to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray. And thank God for the 500 people who are prayer partners with this convention. Thank God for those who meet regularly to pray 
for the Bangor Worldwide Convention. And thank God for the hundreds and hundreds of people over the many years of this convention who stirred by that same compassion of Jesus Christ and seeing the confusion of the crowds and seeing that the harvest is plentiful, they have gone out as workers and God is calling more. That actually is the call on the life of every disciple of Jesus, not just some kind of spiritual elitist group or spiritual SAS. Every Christian is called to mission and service. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And look at what happened next. Jesus called the 12 disciples to him. We get their names. And these 12, chapter 10, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out. I want to ask you something. Don't shout out the answer out loud. When was the last time a missionary was sent out from your local church that you belong to? Can I tell you when it was? It was last Sunday. That's when it was. In every local church that has worshipped on this island of Ireland last Sunday, at the end of that time of corporate worship, where I trust we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers, we were sent out on mission into the harvest field. And I'll tell you better than that. I honestly believe it is harvest time in Ireland today. I am 64. I've had the privilege of living south of the border and north of the border. And I can honestly say in my 64 years, I have never ever, ever known the openness that there is in Ireland today to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is looking for workers in his harvest fields. And it's harvest time in South America. And there are opportunities for service, for mission, for ministry, for reaching out in Jesus' name. And could I say something to the young men here tonight? We have a team of just arrived back from Paraguay. They've done a fantastic job in a city called Concepcion, way out in the country in the Chaco area of Paraguay. Mostly young folks, late teens, early twenties, from different parts of Ireland. Quite a few from the diocese that we used to serve in Gilmore. Do you know something? There was one young man, and all the rest were girls. Guys, what are we doing? And I noticed when Ruth was sharing tonight, she told us about three young girls and three more, what in the pipeline? Young girls? When I was growing up as a teenager, there was a song that went like this, where have all the young men gone? Young men, older men, have we that selective deafness to the Lord that we sometimes have to our wives or our girlfriends? Sorry, singular, of course. (laughs) You know the way they say something and we don't hear it? 
selective deafness. It's a male gift. But hey, folks, when we're not listening to the Lord, that's serious. Very serious. Is somebody going to tell me that God only calls young women to go on short mission trips and not young men? To go for a lifetime of service somewhere else? Only women, not men? Nonsense. Men, tonight, I challenge you, in the name of the Lord, are we listening to his call to go on mission and service? Are we up for the challenge? I want to finish by sharing with you what we call the Sam's Challenge. True Christian worship means involvement with God's world. As a mission agency, we challenge you to participate with us. Now, can I just say something? God will call some to South America. He will call some to Pakistan. He will call some to India. He will call some to Africa. God will call some all over the world. So would you please apply this to whichever part of the world you have a sense the Lord may be calling you to or asking you to pray for or be in deeper partnership with in the gospel, okay? I know it's a South American evening, but God loves the whole world. And we are passionate about the whole world. So here's the first part of the challenge. I quit. Now what we say in the Sam's challenge is this. I quit playing church. I'll repeat that. I quit playing church. God hasn't called us to religious games. This isn't a hobby, folks. This is a lifetime commitment. We live for him and we die for him. I quit going through the motions. I quit pretending to have it all together. I quit the status quo. I quit. The disciples of Jesus quit the nets and left them behind and followed him. What is the Lord calling you and I to leave behind, to quit, to let go of, to get rid of? And are we willing to let go and rise up and follow him? I begin. I begin to be the church. Let's think of those Bible readings this week. I don't want to be part of a church that's ugly. I don't want to be an agent of division in the church. I want to be like Jesus. I want to commit myself to being part of a church that looks like him, that lives for him. I begin to take up my cross daily. I begin to respect others who differ from my beliefs. I begin learning to love people. I begin. Are we willing to begin tonight? Make a new start, a fresh start, become world Christians, mission Christians, missional Christians. I have no doubt that this week in this convention, God is calling some of us to a fresh start, a new beginning. Doesn't matter what age we are, folks. Age is no barrier. Caleb was 84 and he was still going. I had a friend when he was 80, 
His two sons gave him a computer, and at 80 years old, he started learning computer skills. Within six months, he was doing some work for one of our Bible societies. 80. Whether we're 18 or 80, we're called to quit, to begin, to be the people the Lord has called us to be. Thirdly, I invest. I invest in the lives of the broken, the forgotten, the hungry who live in my community and in South America. I invest. What is the Lord calling you to invest in? Maybe it's in our local community where we are right now, the community where we live, the community where we worship. And the Lord's word to us is, bloom, blossom where you're planted. For others, we'll be called to cross culture, crossing frontiers, boundaries, borders, to reach out in the name of Jesus and invest in the lives of those people, just as Ruth did 10 years ago, as she told us. For some of us here tonight, I think the Lord is calling us to invest our money more wisely and to make the best investment we can ever make in the kingdom of God. I have a friend, a dear friend. He was speaking one night. He drove over 100 miles to speak to a little group of seven people, a little prayer group. He drove the hundred miles back home, got back about one o'clock in the morning, wondered to himself if that trip had been worthwhile. He got a phone call the next day to say, how much did you say that new school would cost? He said, 40,000 pounds. And the old man said, you have it. 40,000, just like that. Made an investment for the kingdom of God. And I wonder, is the Lord calling some of us to be more generous in our giving of the resources he has given us? And finally, I surrender. That's what the disciples did, didn't it? Isn't it? I surrender my need to be entertained. I will leave my comfortable chair and exchange it for time on my knees in prayer. I surrender. Are we willing to surrender our all to the one who gave his all for us, the Lord Jesus? We were singing earlier, your cry of love rings out across the land. How does his cry of love ring out across the land? It rings out through his body beautiful, through his church through people like you and me, by the way we live, by the words we speak, by the attitudes we have, by the priorities we adopt. With this I finish. Sam started, I told you, in the mid-19th century. It started through a man called Captain Alan Gardner. He set out with a small group of men and he sailed to one of the most southern, southernmost parts of the world, Tierra del Fuego, way on the southernmost tip of South America to reach Indians for Jesus. Do you know something he never did? He died of starvation on a beach or in a cave 
in one of the remotest parts of the world in the South Atlantic. On the 160th anniversary or 150th anniversary of his death, I had the privilege of traveling with just a few others. Thanks to the generosity of the Argentine Navy, we got on one of their gunboats at 4.30 in the morning in the world's most southerly city, Ushuaia, and it took us six hours to go along that canal beagle. And by the time we got to this remote beach, remote beach where Alan Gardner and his friends had survived for quite a while, but all died of cold and starvation, the wind had got up and the waves had got up and they said, we're not sure if we'll be able to take you to the cave. And we said, please. We got the, they lowered the rubber dinghy down off the side of the boat. We got our life jackets on. We went down the rope ladder into this boat. Deepened the prayer life, I can tell you. We got to the beach and they took us into the cave where those men had lived for months before they died of starvation. And we read Matthew 28 in there. We prayed. We thanked God for the courage of those men who gave their lives for Jesus and the people of South America. An amazing thing happened. The diaries of some of those men were found some time later. Listen to what one of them had written. I am happy day and night, hour by hour. Asleep or awake, I am happy beyond the poor compass of language to tell. My joys are with him whose delights have always been with his people. Much more could I add, but my fingers are aching with cold and I must wrap them up in my clothes. But my heart, my heart is warm with praise, thanksgiving and love to God my Father and love to God my Redeemer. Folks, that place isn't far from Antarctica. That was the month of June, the middle of their winter. It was freezing cold. And the last words Captain Alan Gardner wrote before he died on the 6th of September 1851 were these. By God's grace, this blessed group was able to sing praises to Christ for eternity I am not hungry or thirsty in spite of five days without eating. Wonderful grace and love to me, a sinner. I wish there was time to read you more, but there isn't. And out of the deaths of those Christian men, a whole new wave of missions started in South America. They quit. They began. They invested. They surrendered. They saw the crowds and had compassion on them. What about you? What about me? Are we willing to get out of the boat? Surrender our all to Christ and his cause, the gospel, his kingdom? Please stand. Just in a moment of silence,
Let us hear what the Lord is speaking into our hearts this evening. What will our response be? If tonight you want to quit, begin, invest, and surrender, and be one of his workers in his harvest fields, wherever those fields are, then I invite you to join with me in this prayer. Just pray it quietly in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for calling me to follow you. Lord Jesus, tonight I surrender to you. I want to live for you and you alone. And tonight, Lord, I pray and I mean it. Take me as I am and use me as and where you will. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Lord, bless those who have prayed that prayer this evening. Fill and strengthen them with your Holy Spirit. And we thank you now for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.